Hi, it's John Cronshaw here from Indie Author Mastermind. Today, I am joined by a guest. We have Russell Nolte. He's a USA Today best-selling fantasy author, publisher, consultant. If you've been on Facebook online, you've probably seen him around. Uh, he runs the small press Wannabe Press, which makes weird books and comics for weird people. That sounds right up my street. Um, he's also written several graphic novels, novels, and children's books. And from what he was telling me before this, he seems to have a lot of books already to come out in the process. So there's lots of stuff on the horizon there. Now, the reason I have asked Russell on today is because um, he has run 19, is it, successful crowdfunding campaigns. Um, I mean, it's probably more than that now by the time this airs. And raising over a quarter of a million dollars, including six campaigns that raised over 20 and two raising over 30,000. So welcome to the show, Russell. Thanks for having me. It is over 20 now, and there's now seven that have gone over 25 and three that have gone over 30 because our newest one just crossed $30,000 a couple of days ago. So very proud of that. That is awesome. Um, so I suppose I, I want to just jump in and, and talk to you about this today. I mean, it's, it's obviously uh, really timely because Kickstarter and crowdfunding seems to be uh, the topic that is going on right now with authors. And I'm just wondering, because you, you, you've been at it for a while, um, what led you into this, this way of funding your projects? What kind of got you into crowdfunding to start with? Sure. So I come from the world of comics uh, before I started doing novels. I've now written way more novels than I ever have done comics. Um, but I started uh, doing comics. And with comics, all the way back in 2011 and 12, it was like Kickstarter was the way you raised money for com for, for, for production. So um, and then you would take those to conventions. So instead of uh, having like the, the, the launch on Amazon that's followed by like an ad buy and all of that stuff, like how comics works is uh, you do a crowdfunding campaign and you go to conventions and that's, and that's where most of your sales are going to happen. So it's the similar mechanics, but the paid, the, 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 the launch and then the paid advertising buy is like different components uh, and they happen in different places. So uh, I did a book called Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter and a book called Katrina Hates the Dead. And I did a couple of the Katrina Hates the Dead ones on Indiegogo um, as a flexible funding campaign, which means if I didn't fund, I still got the money and like we didn't fund. So it was really nice to have uh, like 2000 extra dollars uh, to make that book uh, from those two campaigns. Um, but then I came to Kickstarter, learned a whole lot from those failed campaigns and did a Kickstarter for the, 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 the Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter book. And that led to another launch of Katrina, which led to novels and really got into doing the novels on Kickstarter because I didn't have any comics ready. And I was like, well, I have this other book and, you know, we put it on Kickstarter. And, uh, my father didn't kill himself, raised thirty four hundred dollars. did a kid's book uh, called I Can't Stop Tooting a Love Story, which raised like $2,200. And we did another novel, uh, Spaceship Broken Needs Repairs, which is now Sorry for Existing, which raised like $1,800. And so like I came to it from comics, but from very early on in my, in my crowdfunding journey, I've been doing comics and novels and even a little bit of kids books. That's awesome. Yeah, I've seen some authors doing not not quite novels, but, um, you know, things like Dungeons and Dragons mission books and things like that, like really, really interesting kind of uh, writing based projects that aren't necessarily novels. Um, so, I mean, is there anything that 
you, you kind of see like these are the kind of projects that work best. I mean, you know, is there anything in your experience that you think, yeah, these have worked really well. This type of stuff just doesn't seem to hit that market. Yeah. So I think there's an inverse relationship between Amazon and Kickstarter, whereas like things that are generally the the the, the small genres on on Amazon are the big genres on Kickstarter. So when I'm saying that, I mean, horror, sci-fi, fantasy are kind of the big ones. And there's a there's a very good reason for that, because um, Kickstarter exists because um, so the, the ethos behind Kickstarter is basically like you're not finding what you want on Amazon and in the normal stores. So like we need somewhere to fund weird ideas or like test dive and validate things that don't have the mass market appeal of um, of, of Amazon already. This is where you find like pebble watches and drones and 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 uh, and interior design stuff and like weird gizmos and gadgets that um, you'd never originally find on Amazon, like coming to coming to Kickstarter. But it also means that um, things like comics, which it was impossible, it was almost impossible to make independent comics um, if you weren't the artist before Kickstarter. Uh, because they're just very expensive and there's very few of them. Um, to for some context, the entire comics market is 136th, the entire book market. So when you take all of publishing, divide that by 36, and that's DC, Marvel, everything else basically is like as far as units sold. At least that was the last, it may be different now uh, because because uh, comics are gaining so much on the uh, uh, as far as a market share. But like when I started doing that, that was the truth. Like it was, it was so small as to be, uh, and and so expensive that you just couldn't do it. So uh, another context thing is like a book might cost you as an independent person a thousand to two thousand dollars to make. You can get one for five hundred dollars, depending on. But like usually, it might cost about a thousand dollars to fifteen hundred dollars, depending on how long they are. A comic book cost $2,000 or just $5,000 to do 22 pages. And roughly a, a full graphic novel would cost you 10 to $15,000. So like to get one piece, you're spending almost 10 times more to, to sell to a much smaller market. And the reason why comics and board games, board games is another one that thrive on that platform is there was nowhere else to make them. Like there was no way to make them. And so people kind of migrated to this idea that like we could you, we could make these weird games. We just have to fund them so that they can get and show them that there's a reason to make them. Um, and so because of that, things you can generally find very easily on Amazon, like Tupperware, uh, uh, I don't know, things that are normal. Uh, I'm looking at my table, I'm blanking on the desks. I don't know, like things, things like that, like are going to not do well on Kickstarter because no one's there for that stuff. They're there for the stuff they couldn't find on Amazon, which again is why things like horror, sci-fi and fantasy, which are not as popular as thriller and, and romance are uh, way more popular on Kickstarter, which is a blessing and a curse because if you're on Kickstarter, you're going to think that horror is way more popular than it actually is in the overall marketplace. That, that comics are way more popular than they actually are. So you do have to do some expectation setting, but for anyone who writes in a, in a weird off genre, um, by off genre, I mean, is not, rom is not romance or thriller, um, you're going to probably have, have a, 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 as much or more success on Kickstarter as far as actually making money. 
as uh, maybe you're going to make way less sales, but you'll make way more money. And I've seen this over and over and over again, uh, most recently with Weird Western. Um, uh, 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 one of our students uh, had a, a does Weird Western and, uh, you know, they made more on one launch than they generally do, like in a whole book launch uh, in in um, uh, on on uh, Kickstarter. Now, it's not to say that there's like I've seen romance books do really well I've seen thriller books do really well it's like it's not saying no what it is saying is like this is where the market is this is you you if you will write in one of those genres then then you're going to have a good shot of being more successful than you are now on Kickstarter yeah that doesn't surprise me at all I, I find that the especially SF and I don't know you know I've not had much to do with uh, horror readers, you know, I, I don't write horror, but I do write fantasy, and I've found that there's a there's a there's a very different personality type that you get with fantasy readers than you do with romance readers, for example. I'm sure there's some crossover, but you know, I I speak to fantasy readers all the time, and they're my people. You know, <laughs> I feel like a real kind of kinship with them, mainly because we geek out about the same things and just kind of let's say hover around the same places on the internet and things like that so it's it's probably that kind of thing i mean uh, do, do you find there's like much of a, a community element in in the kickstarter thing or is it like project based if that makes sense i mean i think that different categories have different communities so comics has a really great community film has a really great community uh, board games have a really great community. Historically, there's been much less of that in the publishing space. Um, and that is mainly because people don't use it or people use it once and leave or people use it, get their $500 or $1,000 or whatever. And then they complain that they didn't make more or something like that. So like the reason why board games and comics specifically have such good communities is is the creators are stewards of the community. So like they keep coming back to the platform two, three, four times a year. They come back year after year. They've made it so the fans are uh, 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 like, have, 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 may have their own system of, the fans just come and look for other campaigns that are cool. Like the, the creators cross promote with each other. All of the stuff that, you have that we have uh, for authors um, on Amazon and stuff, you know, back, there's different ways to swap and different. They're all, it's all the same stuff. It's just like named different and works slightly differently, but like a backer update swap, we the same as a newsletter swap, except way more money would exchange hands on a backer update swap um, for reasons we can talk about if you want. But uh, uh, so the publishing community does not have that right now. Um, they, we're trying to foster that, but what really takes to foster it is for creators to run campaigns, deliver those campaigns, those campaigns to be good, and then to continue to come back to the campaigns over and over and over and over. There's also some really bad publishing campaigns. You tend not to get there on, 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 uh, in, um, in comics or in board games, like almost all campaigns look good, look professional, but there is a lot of janky looking publishing campaigns, um, specifically on fiction books, like ones that don't have a cover, ones that are formatted really poorly. And I don't understand how you can be a writer and format your stuff so badly as I often see on this platform. But um, that said, um, there's not as much of that. Um, uh, and But that's not to say there can't be. There can absolutely be if we uh, do the work 
to foster the platform. And it would be way better than fostering on Amazon, frankly. Yeah, I mean, the model it does remind me of the kind of, uh, you know, like the Renaissance patrons kind of thing. Um, and I, I suppose, I mean, you know, with, with the Brandon Sanderson popularity, I mean, one, one of the things that's been levied is, OK, it's OK for someone like Brandon Sanderson with a platform. You know, he's, he's built that over many years. And, you know, people like you, for example, I mean, you have clearly done a lot to build up your mailing list and, and find out your reader avatar, your ideal reader. You know, it's really obvious from your stuff that you know exactly who your stuff is aimed at. Um, you know, it, I think this, I suppose what I'm asking really is like, how, how does this work for new new authors who don't have a platform yet? Or is, is it not really a platform for them at that point? Maybe it's the need to build a platform first or I don't know. Well, so, so there's certainly an author who wants to be in KU and that is their main their main thing is I want to be in KU because then people can read my work and not pay for it. And like they, they get money for the reads. And like that is, as many people's first introduction to publishing is to uh, get in KU, uh, get people to read the book uh, and then like, uh, and, and keep that going. Um, but if you're planning on being wide when you are a new author, um, uh, meaning you're going to not be in KU, you're going to be on Amazon and Kobo and, and all of the other platforms that are available, it really behooves you to, to put Kickstarter uh, at the front of your publishing slate, meaning before you, you launch your book, you bring it to Kickstarter. This is uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, the average pledge on Kickstarter is $25 which means you're going to just make more money than you can on Amazon because if someone's buying a $5 book, they're buying that $5 book and that's it. Um, whereas on Kickstarter, you can do things like pins and, and uh, prints and special editions. And also you can bundle things together and do all sorts of cool things. It makes the average pledge level higher. Um, the, you know, you might have, generally, I, I've, I've seen people with 50 backers make four or $5,000. I've seen them make $50, uh, $15,000 for like a hundred backers. It's like, you're just going to make more from less people and you have less people right now. Uh, the second thing, and maybe even more important is um, when you're launching your career, a book, you do not want people who do not read in that genre to buy it. So like you were actively basically saying, no mom, no friends. If you don't read like this kind of fantasy, don't buy it. Like it, it is more detrimental than it is helpful because of how also the also bots work. Now, whether also bots would be a thing in like a couple of years, once Amazon realizes there's a whole nother line of like sponsorship that they can get to, I don't know. But right now, the way that it works is like Amazon makes your also, also bots line up to who bought your book. And so uh, you have authors who are literally saying like, don't buy my book. Don't no, don't buy my book there. And Kickstarter doesn't have that. Like Kickstarter doesn't care. Like it doesn't have an algorithm after 30 days. Oh, well, it does have an algorithm, but like, it's not a long-term algorithm that's going to hurt you because after 30 days, like your campaign is off. Uh, and so you, you can now spend that time saying, no, 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 no. Everybody go to Kickstarter. And then you can, once that's done, you can then, 
uh, bring it to your launch and focus on only the readers who are going to read it. And also you get the customer data and email list so you can make lookalike audiences and custom audiences of the people that bought the campaign that will hopefully help your your um, your uh, your your uh, sales later. And especially you can pick and choose. So like you can take your mom who only reads regional Rome, Regency romance and take her out of that list before you upload it and make your lookalike audiences from it. And and uh, so those two reasons um, are make it great for a young reader, a, a young author. Um, it does take you building some audience, though, just like you would if you were wide. If you are in KU, we're having a different conversation, right? Because like probably if you're a young author and you're looking for the quick fix, um, you're going to probably go into KU at the beginning because nobody knows who you are and then make a decision for your second book. Yeah. So what, what kind of things then do you think you know, based on that, um, say, say the new author needs in place. I mean, obviously, what a mailing list, social media kind of stuff. Is that is that the kind of things you recommend? Yeah, I mean, it's what you would. So the nice thing about Kickstarter is like it functions very similarly to uh, an uh, ordering anywhere else. Like you're basically ordering a book. So, so you're ordering a book on Amazon or you're ordering a book on Kickstarter. Functionally, it's it's relatively the same your biggest problem is getting someone to get an account. Um, so you need a mailing list, um, social media, a blurb, uh, a, like a sample chapter, just like you would with Kickstarter. You probably need to do some like story origin or book funnel promos. Uh, you need to maybe do some newsletter swaps, maybe do some giveaways to like boost your, your, your follower number. But all of that is useless if you're not actually building the community around your work and around your stuff. So like, this is the, the biggest misperception. And I mean, you know, John, I've been running builders for like, for authors for, I feel like my entire life, but I don't know how long it's been, but like I've done literally dozens of them um, over, over the years. And the most, biggest misconception is people saying, oh, I have, I have a hundred people on my mailing list now, we're a thousand people. And then like, there's like, well, that's all sales. And like, I don't even have to send emails to them or I can send emails to them monthly or like whatever. And like, what it really takes is you can have 10 people on your mailing list that they're like, you're super, super, super duper fans and they'll pay a hundred dollars for you. Like they'll, that's a thousand dollars on Kickstarter. Um, but you need to have a process for turning random people into super fans and for maintaining your super fans and for discussing your books in a way that will get people excited because that's the other thing is people will do these launches and like i don't even know if they like their books frankly like they, they're launching them but like there's no excitement and around the launch they're not building excitement their their email sequences aren't building excitement their social media is not building excitement it's like they're basically just saying, here's the book, it's there, here's the blurb, and then that's it. And like, that's not going to entice many people except your super duper fans who are already super fans to even give it a try. Now, again, this is slightly different with KU because people aren't paying, aren't paying for your book. So they're paying for the page reads. So like often you just have to show a cover and an image and like 
they'll try it maybe if they like it. And like, if they don't like it, like they'll never read you again. If they really like it, they'll put you on unless It's a little bit different, but for wide authors, you really have to do the work to be like, here is the book. Here is how I write. I write good. You will like it. Here's, how, here's my proof doing short stories or stuff. And the people have to like you as the author, like really when it comes to wide sales, I, I, I think that what is undervalued is passion for the product um, that is outwardly expressed. All authors have passion for the product. Almost all authors are embarrassingly bad at conveying that excitement. That is uh, wise words there. Yeah, I, I, I'm always picking up my stuff. <laughs> I think I'm a biggest cheerleader, but I think you have to. I think you have to because otherwise no one else will. So, um, I mean, so, I mean, you mentioned the thing with the, um, I suppose, the friction of, of setting up an account and, you know, getting people on board with the Kickstarter. I mean, how much um, do you kind of have to educate people? I mean, how much resistance do you get to backing a project for a first time, for example? Well, for me, it didn't, wasn't that hard because I was in comics. Like you, if you're coming from the world of novels, then you might have a lot, lot more friction because people don't even know what Kickstarter is and they don't know why, why you would go to Kickstarter. And then they don't know why they would set up an account to buy it there when they could buy it on Amazon or anywhere else. So like you have to do some steps of education to say like, this is Kickstarter. I'm here for this reason. Here's all the cool stuff that I'm going to do that's exclusive to Kickstarter. Here's why you should, um, here's the FOMO that you're go not going to get. You won't be able to get this cover or this pin or this other stuff like ever again. So like you should do it now. It's challenge point or whatever the thing is. And like do the work of getting people to that, that from there to, um, uh, to, to actually become a backer. And you're going to get far fewer of them than uh, you would ever think would be profitable. So uh, there's just far fewer people who will make that transition. So like if you make a thousand sales, maybe that's a hundred backers. I don't know, like that's, but those hundred backers will give you more money at the end of the day than all of those sales. I mean, we think, we. Uh, you look at the Brandon Sanderson campaign, like he's made $30 million, right? But he's, he's made it from a hundred thousand people. Like that's very few people to make $30 million. Like, you know, if you're talking about uh, an author doing that, they're either going to have to sell like on, on Amazon, they're either going to have to sell somewhere between what 15 million and uh, like 8 million books. And he's done it from a hundred thousand, 150,000 people, which is more than I would, ever be able to get on Kickstarter. I've had like 4,000 people who've backed my campaigns over 20 books. So like, you're not going to be getting Brandon Sanderson numbers, but it's important to know that like Brandon Sanderson is used to selling millions of books, right? I mean, like he's, a mil he's like, he, his books just sell an infinite amount. And these are almost without a doubt, his worst selling books of all time, as far as sales go, but his most successful books of all time, as far as revenue goes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, that that just kind of shows the uh, <laughs> why the corporate publishing model is, uh, let's say, a bit iffy towards authors. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, where 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 do you think a lot of authors go wrong on Kickstarter? I mean, you've mentioned the kind of not. I suppose it, this is just promotion in general, isn't it? I suppose being afraid to sell 
I mean, is there anything that you see them doing and you just put your head in your hands and you're like, oh, that doesn't work or anything like that? Yeah, they don't have their books done before they go do a campaign. Like, I really, like, nothing will stop a backer dead in their tracks than if you don't have the book done. Like, maybe you need editing. Like, Brandon Sanderson has had a cover and and and, and a, the manuscripts done. So, like, that is the minimum that you should have. Like, you don't necessarily have to get the editing done. He's spending literally a whole year editing these books, according to what he said on the camp uh, on the campaign. That's why they're not coming out to 2023. So I'm not saying, like, you need to get the book production ready. I think you should. Like, I think the least you can do is show somebody, this is a book. I've already done all the work on it. All I need to do is ship it to you. Um, uh, but if you're not going to do that, you should at least have the manuscript complete and a, and a nice cover that you can mock up. Um, if you can't have those two things, you're probably not going to. It doesn't have to be the final cover. Like you could just go and buy like a pre-made cover that's like your final cover and then use the money to hire like whatever your dream cover designer or whatever. But like it has to like no one's going to buy a book without a cover like like you judge the book by its cover. And like if you can't even do the the absolute bare minimum is you have to have a cover. Like it, it has to be nice, but like you really need the manuscript done. So we're talking, I mean, it's, it's like minimum viable product, isn't it? That's what we're talking here. So having, yeah, having the, having as much ready as you can. And then I suppose what are the type of things then that the authors are looking for paying for? Like, is it the editing and the magic covers and the, uh, you know, audible, sorry, audio books and things like that? Yeah, I mean, if you are going to do an audio book or an audio drama or you're going to do an audio commentary of some type and you need to buy like a microphone for it, um, uh, you know, uh, if you're doing a special edition hardcover book, if you're doing prints or pins or challenge coins or um, uh, Funko Pop like uh, customs or uh, character designs that you're going to do like a 3D model of a character design or something like that and give it to your back. All that stuff needs to be done enough that people can see it. Like, and this be done. I, I, had a, I had a friend who like was just put up a temp cover and I was like, it is better to not put a cover up than to put this cover up. Like this cover is bad. Like this, like, would you buy this book with this terrible cover? And like, of course you wouldn't. So like, I'm not saying put a cover up. It has to be a good cover that would like get someone to buy. So like we, I have never done a campaign where the book is not through production enough that I have all of it together. I've, I usually, I often will, ha uh, most of the time, especially on the novels, will have like the actual books. Like there are four books back here that I have done for a June release that like are just done they're sitting here but they're for kickstarter and like i finished them i finished the books i got the cover i got the editing you know i've done uh i've done the audio commentary i've i've, I've got all of that stuff set um and now i'm bringing it to kickstarter like not as a please help me fund this book but like let's get this book into people's hands and another thing is that that people always come come at me at like regardless of, of of what kind of thing they're making they say like oh i don't want to beg people to help me make this book and i'm like 
you're always begging people to make books. Like Amazon's, uh, Amazon is begging you to like join Amazon Prime. Like McDonald's is begging you to go buy a Big Mac. Like every day in every advertisement, it's please God help us not go out of business. Like that is the underlying ethos behind literally every advertisement that has ever existed. Your job is to understand that like you have to couch it in a way that is palatable to people like Amazon cannot come out and say, please, God, help us not go out of business. They have to say, look at this cool. I'm with Sid Whopper, Big Mac. Um, look at like these fries. Look, it's Shamrock Shake time, like all of these different ways to hit your audience um, so that like what you, what they're seeing is a cool experience they can be part of not the creator behind the scenes, like sweating bullets that like their, their whole company is going to go under if they can't like make this, make this money. But it is very helpful if the book is done, because if the book, if, if you're conceptualizing a Kickstarter as like, please help me make my book. Yeah. I can totally understand how that could feel like not a great feeling for an author. Um, but if you're going to them and saying, here is the book, here it is right here. I mocked it up. I'm holding it in my hand. Uh, I'm ready to give it to you. Like that is no different than doing it on Amazon. Instead, what you're doing is you're coming to Kickstarter to give your fans a unique experience. For me, it's getting the books six to 12 months before they actually hit Amazon shelves. Plus getting like special, we, we did a special um, timeline and like planet guide for uh, our series that is going to be like a trifle that you get if you spend a hundred dollars. We do challenge coins or like all things you can't get uh, other ways. Like we did a special edition hardcover for audio drama last year. So all of this stuff that like you just can't get anywhere else. And like is still the underlying ethos, please God help me not go out of business. Yeah. I mean, cause that's all marketing is like, man, I need, I, I really hope this makes more money than I spent on it. Cause I need to do this again every month for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I think, I think there is a prevailing mindset with a lot of creative, a lot of artists, a lot of authors where it's uh, earning money, marketing, sales and marketing are dirty. And really it's like you are serving the people who like your work better if you can get it to them and get more of it to them. And you're not going to do that if you're starving. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, it, it's, it's a benefit to everyone, the artist and the creator, this fair exchange, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant if it works and you start resenting uh, people, if you're giving away all your stuff for free or, you know, not getting fair value for what you've put in. Um, so it's like, there's a real uh, issue. I, I think that is, it's a mind, I mean, it's a mindset issue, isn't it? It's like, I don't know how you kind of figure that, how you get past it. Um, but I think there's just a, a real sense with our artistic types that earning money off things I create is bad. And that's just silly. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, so you can't do the work justice if you're always scrounging for every dollar to pay the production person. It's going to lead to you hiring a substandard cover designer, a substandard proofreader, a substandard editor, or like cutting some part of the process. If you're a first person and first book, maybe you don't, maybe you really need that developmental editor and like you cut it if you're not going to make a lot of money back for it. Um, also, like we tend to spend time and effort in the places that have return for that time and effort. So I can't tell you how often like authors just stop writing because they don't have an audience or they're not or they're or they've lost 
like they've written 10 books and they've lost a thousand dollars each time they've done a book. So like $10,000 in the hole. Like these are things like real physical stuff, because what happens is like most authors have family or friends or a support network. And over time they start saying, well, nobody's responding to my work. Like I could go hang out with my kids. Like, why am I doing this instead of like getting a second job? Like, I don't, well, why am I doing this and straining my relationship with my husband or like not going on vacation or all of this stuff? It does, it really does start to build up. And, and young creators, um, by young, I don't mean age-wise, but like people haven't been doing this for a long time. Like they haven't seen it. I see it with authors every day. I'm sure you do too. Just people who are, who say, I can't do this anymore because it doesn't make financial sense. And also it's ruining a relationship that I have either with somebody else or myself. And so it behooves you as a creator who, if you want to do this for a long time, to find out at least how to break even on your costs. Because if you can break even on your costs, like awesome, like then you have a business or then at least you can have these vanity projects that are just for you or like whatever. But like Kickstarter is a great way to, to, it's not going to give you a full-time career. Like I made $70,000, $80,000 on Kickstarter last year. It is not my full-time living that comes on Kickstarter. What happens on Kickstarter is I usually make somewhere between two and $7,000 above production cost, which means I am free and clear somewhere between two and $7,000. Now I do four campaigns a year, which means somewhere between 10 and $28,000, usually around 18 to 20 grand. Uh, 15 to 20 grand, maybe that's like just money for me. Like that's not enough for most people to survive on. Like that's below the poverty line on the low end. So like it takes all sorts of other stuff to like make me have a career. It takes coaching and, and, and doing marketing for people and, and teaching and like a hundred thousand other things that we all have, we cobble together a career. But what Kickstarter can very very reasonably do is pay for production costs so that you you leave Kickstarter with your book paid for, maybe a little bit of money for marketing, and you can go into your Amazon launch and your full launch free and clear. And like, if you've never had that, if, if, if you've had that for a long time, I can tell you that that is like a luxury that very, 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 very few creators have. Almost no creators, unless you can, unless you can make more money on production cost uh, than pre-orders exceed production cost. Almost nobody goes into their book launch free and clear. So, like Kickstarter is a great way to make that five hundred, a thousand dollars, whatever that you need to get the books into the green. And once a book is into the green, let me tell you, you're much more likely to spend product money on it. Like it's much easier to spend money on a book that already earned their production cost than a book you're $5,000 in the red for. Excellent. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, um, yeah, I think what, one thing that I did, which was I really wanted to write a, well, Brandon Sanderson's size epic fantasy. And so I broke it up into 21 novellas and released it monthly so then I could write it and earn while I was writing it which made a lot of difference let me tell you so yeah um so I mean speaking of Brandon Sanderson then I mean as a kind of final thing as as this is you know this is kind of the topic at the moment I mean what do you think will be the impact of 
Brandon Sanderson on the Kickstarter, will it kind of oversaturate the crowd or is it is it actually a good thing for the long-term thing of this platform? The fact that people are saying that it is bad shows a fundamental misunderstanding of how star power works. Like in order to get people, so Keanu Reeves was one that came to, to in the comic side last year. And like, let me tell you, uh, it helped. <laughs> It helped because suddenly like, oh, Keanu Reeves is on the platform. Well, now I know what Kickstarter is and now I understand how to use it. 150,000 people of which at least 10 to 20% have never used Kickstarter before. So that's tens of thousands of people are coming to the platform. And also he is normalizing this. Uh, Will White, uh, Kevin J. Anderson, I believe both ran their first campaign, started after, after, um, after uh, a Brandon Sanderson's campaign. And I don't know why, because I haven't talked to them, but like you, like, it seems clear that like they saw this thing that was a lot that you could make money on and it was no longer stigmatized and they came to the campaign. In Will's case, he's raised over $450,000. It's probably close to $500,000 now. I think Kevin J. Anderson has raised like $13,000 or something for his, for, his, for his book. Like this is like real money that these people would not have had if they didn't, if Brandon Sanderson did not come and make it okay. And because the thing that, that the publishing platform needs more than anything are authors who treat it with respect and continually come back to the platform to keep legitimizing it with good books. Like that's what needs to happen. Like what needs to happen is good authors need to bring good projects to Kickstarter on a on a, on a consistent basis so that fans will come to the platform and search for cool books that way. Instead of uh, right now, what has to happen is we're bringing most of the people like, like there's not, because there's not people scrolling on their phones, looking at cool fiction projects on in the comic site. I can tell you there are just infinite seemingly amount of people who just scroll through the comics platform once a week or once a month to look for cool stuff. And like, that's what you need if you're a young author, because you're not going to have that many people. So what you need is the ability to boost your, your, the money that you raise so that it's like, so that Kickstarter sees it and it becomes visible. And then you have to have people who are, who, 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 who are just there to hang out looking at cool new projects and finding yours. And uh, Brandon Sanderson kind of helps both because it shows hundreds of thousands of fans what Kickstarter is. It, it legitimizes it for millions of people and it allows creators from Will White on down to say, well, if it's good enough for Kevin Jan, if, uh, if it's good enough for Brandon Sanderson, it's good enough for me. And that is all of those things are good. You can make a, you can have a whole like discussion about like whether it's ethical or moral for someone who's like so successful to make, um, make, uh, like use the platform. But like, I mean, there are people raising billions of dollars to destroy the rainforest. Like, like there are people that like are literally destroying this country. And like this dude's trying to bring books to people. Like it's, it's like, as far as things that like rich people do that are unethical or immoral, like this is 
very, 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 very low on the list. I don't even think it makes the list at all because the truth is he has spent hundreds of thousands of hours probably. I mean, over the last 20 years between conventions and his YouTube and his Reddit and all of that stuff, like giving to fans, like he's given all of this, like he has done the work. He didn't just show up and like, cause you can't do that. Like you can't just show up one day and like make a huge Kickstarter. You just can't do it. The people will be like, eh, I don't care. It's like, he spent 20 years building this community around his work and around dragon steel. And like, if this is the best way that he has found to give back to his audience, something that, that they find is cool. Like that is his right. Like we don't own Kickstarter. Like we don't own any of these platforms. Like what we can do is become a star, a stalwart for these platforms to exist. And, um, the beauty of it is Brandon Sanderson's campaign is going to be one and he won't be back for two years. Probably. I mean, cause he's got a book box next year. So he probably won't back till at least a year. So like, you're not competing with Brandon Sanderson. If you launch your book after April 1st, however, you definitely are uh, going up against Brandon Sanderson. When you go to Amazon, like every Brandon Sanderson novel. And you're only, you're only competing against four Brandon Sanderson books as opposed to 40 or so that he's written that are on Amazon. So like, it's, it's, a, it's a great lesson also in like um, standing out from a crowd because Brandon Sanderson is the biggest name on Kickstarter that's ever used a platform on the publishing side. And then the comic side, I don't know, like maybe Keanu Reeves is bigger, but like on the publishing side, like Brandon Sanderson is the biggest name. And there's probably, I don't even know if there's five other people who could match him as far as like what he would, what he had raised, because as John Scalzi said, like it takes his infrastructure. It takes his, like, he has a, he has a bookstore. He has all of this stuff. He has all of this infrastructure. He's done it before. Uh, he did a 7 million campaign that, 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 uh, that, that, that then, he now is doing an even bigger campaign because everyone sees that he can deliver. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's like him. It's not Stephen King and, uh, and uh, Anne Rice and Anne McCaffrey and literally every author who's ever released a book, which is who you're in competition to with. And I don't, I don't like the word competition, but like that's who other, that's who, what other books are on Amazon. Like there are, literally infinite books you could no no book could ever be made again and readers would be would never get through every book on amazon so uh in fact like a, a lot, they say they, they read like a thousand or so books before you die maybe 500 and so the average reader in one with with what gets dumped on amazon in one day which is about two thousand books they won't even read all of those books in one day in their entire life as opposed to on Kickstarter, you really have a shot as a young, as a young or, or established author to stand out because Brandon Sanderson's campaign will go away. And it is one of, I think, 500 campaigns that are there. And my campaign will go away. And I'll come back with something new in June, but it'll be very different. And so you have a real shot at being one of 500 projects, as opposed to one of two or three million projects that are uh, that live on Amazon all the time. And that is huge for a independent author 
that you that you have so much less competition and that you can exploit that 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 sort of uh, uh, way that Kickstarter operates with scarcity to your advantage. Like today, you could do it today and you would you could put a campaign together at five hundred dollars and you could launch it. Still, it's two o'clock in, in Los Angeles. You could still launch that campaign today, theoretically, if you get automatic approval. So, and like you would then be one of 500 as opposed to one in 3 million. Awesome. Good words. Yeah. Now spot on. Um, so, I want to end this discussion really with, with a few kind of, let's call them quick fire questions, just uh, kind of off topic, really. But, um, if you can answer them as quickly as you can. Um, so what does being indie mean to you? It means you have the freedom to do whatever you want and suffer the, and suffer the riches and consequences of those decisions. Awesome. What's the best piece of advice you have for indie authors? It's, you're going to suck real bad when you first start out. And like, you, sh- you should, y'all should stop trying to put your first, first manuscript on Amazon and, and put it out there. Just like file that one and the next three away uh, and then write, and then, and then write the thing that you want to write. Like definitely stop trying to write your dream project first because you're just not good enough. You're just not good enough when you start out to write that two million word novel. And and you're going to re- read your work and rightly say, God, this is not good. And then just stop doing it. So it's much better to go out and write in a genre that you don't know or care about and learn the tropes of that writing, a very tropey genre. So like mystery or romance. Um, and I love those things, but like something that has very strict rules. Fantasy does not have strict rules. So like you should like stay away from fantasy and, and unless you're doing like a murder mystery fantasy thing um, or paranormal romance or so supernatural suspense or like a genre that has a lot of, 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 uh, of rules. So like, you know, mystery is like, there's going to be a case and there's going to be a first clue and there's going to be a suspect who ends up being not uh, like a false confession. And there's, there's all of these rules and like write that book, maybe write a middle grade book. Uh, if you don't do middle grade, because like the, the, the prose construction is very simple. And then finish that book, finish the next book, finish the next book, and then burn all three of those manuscripts. And yeah. then write a book and go hire a developmental editor or hire a developmental editor on the first book. But know that like it's going to be real, real expensive because you absolutely need a developmental editor that first book, especially if you've not done comics or screenplays before cool so i suppose you've, you've almost answered this one but what's the biggest mistake you see indie authors making yeah they try to monetize way too quickly it takes it generally will take five books for you to break even on a ad spend and so if you only have three books in a series you probably are not going to make money off of that series if you do ads so stop playing a game that you almost definitely will not win Either write a five book series or more series or write a bunch of books and bring them to Kickstarter or some other thing. Because you can do that with Kickstarter. You can write like five books and do five campaigns over like three years and then run them through like uh, 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 Amazon. I've done that. I have an 11 book series that if you go to look at me on Amazon, you'd be like, what is this? I have an 11 book series and a 12 book series that have not come to that have not come to 
uh, 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 Amazon yet. So like I've got like 30 books or something like that sitting here that I'm trying to run through really quickly when I have a big ad spend, big media ad spend budget that I can do that with. So like, yeah, stop playing a game. You almost certainly will not win. Excellent. Uh, what one book do you think every indie author should read? Um, okay, so there's a book by Russell Brunson called Dotcom Secrets, and it's a very good marketing book. Um, he, uh, he, he talks like a marketer, so it does get exhausting, but like, it's a very good marketing book that most people have probably never heard of. And I think you can get it. If you go to dotcomsecrets.com, I think it's like, a free plus shipping offer. And then he sends you a bunch of email that you have to unsubscribe for if you don't want it. But like, that's a really good one. And also .com traffic. And there's another, there's like three of them and all of the yeah. expert secrets, they're all good. Um, but start with .com secrets because it'll give you a basis of like what internet marketing is. And don't fool yourself, kitties. Writing books and being an indie author is internet marketing. It is. And, and yeah, I second that book. It's, uh, I've, I've not heard anyone else suggest that one, but yeah, it's all about funnels and, and useful stuff like that, which are great concepts to learn about if you are an author. Um, so finally then, um, you've got $500 to spend on a book launch. The product is complete. You've got the cover, everything else. Where does your money go? $500. This is hard because that is really not enough to make a big impact. Um, okay, so I would, let's see, what would I do? Um, I probably would buy a Yeti microphone, a, a, a Podbean account, and like start a podcast or something like that, because that's been the best thing that I did for my own career was start a podcast and start interviewing creators and start talking about my books and other people's books. Uh, so that is because the most, to me, the most important part of this is the, is the, the network that you have. And so I would want to put that, the network that you have can introduce you to all sorts of readers, like infinite readers, if you have the right network. Um, and so I would want to spend that $500 on, um, Maybe go into 20 Books Vegas or uh, um, or uh, uh, Nink, or you can't go to Nink. Um, you know, one of the bigger, better self-publishing conferences. Um, or um, uh, putting together some way that you can meet and network with other creators. And I've, I, I mean, I know like starting a podcast sounds like a trite thing to do in 2022, but like. When I did mine in 2015, like it literally changed my life. And so I would put my money into something of that ilk. Um, obviously, I'm not marketing my book to these creators. I don't want to market. And I, I'm trying to build a network of, oh, you know, maybe I would spend it on a table at a big show or, or several tables at several smaller shows to get out and start working on my pitch because you're going to need uh, the books done, but the, uh, the blurb probably is not done. And the best way to get into your blurb and get the blurb right is to go out and start talking about your book and finding out what, like, 
what connects, what actually connects with readers. So either start a podcast to start networking with creators or um, go to maybe some, some swap meet conventions around me and uh, start talking about the books because that gives you creators who are going to be around and it uh, brings you um, and uh, it, it can bring you readership. Also, one cool thing is I maybe I would do a virtual conference because like then you can bring my friend does this virtual conference called Book Fest, which brings together creators and uh, authors and readers like two or three times a year. And it's always been very successful for me and uh, for, for for all of her. She runs a PR company. So um, that's you could probably do all three of those with five hundred dollars. Um, it doesn't cost that much to get a StreamYard account. Uh, it doesn't cost that much to buy a microphone. It doesn't cost that much to, to start paying like $25 or $50 or calling local libraries and trying to sit down. Uh, so you probably get all of that. What I would not do is run any advertising to it. Oh, I buy Book Funnel or in Story Origin, maybe, because then I could start doing group swaps. Awesome. So yeah, no, that's that was great. Really, really interesting stuff. I think there's a lot to take away from that, a lot to... Uh... What, what would you say decompress from all that information that was fantastic um would you like to get out some plugs you know i know you've got just loads of things going on you've got books and courses and uh cool facebook groups and things like that if you want to get those out that'd be awesome sure so i have two books that i wrote by myself for nonfiction. but what i'm really what i'm, what I'm very very proud of is the work that i've done with monica leonel on the book sales supercharge series so uh, she has written books like Get Your Book Selling on Amazon and Get Your Book Selling Wide and Get Your Book Selling. They're all Get Your Book Selling. And there's and but and me and her worked uh, on one on Facebook, one on cross promotion, one on Kickstarter. So Get Your Book Selling on Kickstarter, which I think raised $21,000 last year on Kickstarter and has become our best book that we've launched so far. Um, and uh uh bundling like a lot of the stuff that we do but she has a website and amazon she it, it's 16 books and i think 14 of them are out uh so i mean a really um she has a book called the a series called the productive novelist which is also great um which is but that's more craft series this is very much like a how do you sell the best how do you make the most of your sales and 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 uh and and be aggressively wide which is what we're calling it sort of like not just on amazon all of those places but also patreon and kickstarter and all of that stuff so uh book sales supercharged just type uh, get your book selling on kickstarter is the one that uh i'm most uh, responsible for uh and uh that will lead you to all of the other ones that we have out um you can go to my my website uh russellnolte.com uh and see all of the books that i've done it's just so many books y'all it's just so many books i think i just wrote my 41st one and that's not including comics and uh, anthology pieces and everything like that so and i've raised since i've raised over three hundred thousand dollars on kickstarter like that's really probably the thing people will always associate me with most um and i'm very proud of that because i think it's a great platform and you can pretty much check me out on Kickstarter, uh, maybe russnolte.com forward slash Kickstarter or something will lead you to my profile. And you can see all of my cool projects that I've done. Awesome. That's great. Well, yeah. So, and remember, you can check out Indie Author Mastermind. We're on Facebook. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. 
We're at Indie Mastermind on the Twitter because obviously you've not got enough characters. Um, but yeah, just check out IndieAuthorMastermind.com. We're on YouTube. We're on podcasts. You know, find us wherever. So thank you, Russell. Great insights tonight. Really appreciate you coming on board. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So until next time, everyone, cheerio. <laughs>